the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, Aubrey and I are going to talk about our weekends, the Southern Baptist Convention and all that's going on down in Nashville, and then an inspirational high school basketball story. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey everybody, welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on this Monday afternoon. Aubrey, it feels like Monday. It's a beautiful Monday, though. It feels oxymoronic, a beautiful Monday. It's it still Monday. It is gorgeous out there. The kids are out of school. That's all good. That is true. I do struggle when the kids are out of school feeling like I should be done, like not working. Uh, One of my kids looked at me today. My son looked at me today and goes, what are you doing today, Dad? I go, somebody has to pay for your summer vacation. (laughs) (laughs) I have to do it. So sad. It was a great weekend. Hey, I didn't have to go to any baseball this weekend. My son had the weekend off. That's shocking. Felt like a normal weekend. What are you going to even talk about today? No, I don't know. Might as well leave now. In a second here, we brought in a guest because we got to fill some time. (laughs) We need somebody to talk. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, a good weekend, church, hanging out with friends and family, doing all that. But here's the one that I need to tell you about. Okay. We watched, you know, my family's been working our way through the event. Series. Yes, we I watched love. Infinity War. <gasps> what the heck? <laughs> that one was crazy. Yeah, that's a crazy ending. And uh, I, I actually took my son out of school to see that, and we sat in the theater stunned, yes. like crying, like we what just happened. And uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you because you still have Endgame to come. I still my my daughter is the one who has us watching all of them, and she knew what happened. And after it was done, she was laughing at you guys. My, my wife turned her and goes, "You knew about that, didn't you?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was something. It's painful. So, yeah. What did you guys do this weekend? It sounds like you watched about eleven movies. I watched In the Heights twice. <laughs> Um, awesome. I took my sons to see Peter Rabbit too. Uh, so yeah, it was a movie. Uh, it was a movie weekend for us, but it was a lot, a lot of fun. And yeah. our church opened up again for the That's first awesome. time since the pandemic. So That's that was awesome. an amazing Sunday well, morning. We'll talk about that here at some point. But here's one thing I wanted to tell you. We got home from our some family house. Uh, some of our family members. We came from home from their house last night. I turned on the TV. It's the end of the Cubs uh, yes. Cardinals game. Yes, it is. Uh, the Cubs. They're about to run into a buzzsaw. They're about to go out and play the Mets starting tonight. All you know, I'm a big Mets fan. It's coming. But the Cubs swept the Cardinals. Uh, and the big deal is at Wrigley, it was a full house. It was a full house! It was just nuts to watch. It was really exciting and really so fun. Cool. And then it hit me. We're close personal friends with the organist at Wrigley Field. Right. One of the organists. It's our former producer. Still works here at the station. John Benedek and... Who was in? Who was right next to us when we came That's in? Convenient. John, and convenient. I said, "We are going to get John on here." It has been way too long, my friend, since you've been on. John, here. welcome. Thank you, thank you, guys. It has been about six months now since I've 
last appeared. Absolutely. That last on was, the show. <laughs> the last, yeah, the last, I come out of the rabbit hole every now and again. Okay, so people may not know, we used to talk about this when you were on the show, yeah. uh, you are one of the two organists at Wrigley Field, which mm-hmm. is such a huge deal. Can that I just tell you the cool other job. day, the other day I was there with my son, and then my daughter was there with her friend's sitting in a different spot. Didn't want to be my dad. Obviously, you don't want to be my dad. Dad, you're embarrassing. I told Jackson, my son, I said, hey, let's let's text John up there. And so John goes, walk over. And so well, I took a picture of him from the concourse, and John's waving. The, my, I didn't tell you this. My daughters and her friends thought that was the coolest oh, thing ever. They did. Dad's got, Dad's got some clout That's now. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, you know the organ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no way back. So John, awesome. John, why I wanted to ask you, because really those of us who watch the game and people out there are Cub fans, it really was amazing. It looked electric almost postseason. You're up in that booth. So here's what I want to ask you. What was it like this weekend? And what was it like? What's it like? Well, we'll ask you about playing the organ in front of all those people. Feels terrifying. Yeah. But what was this weekend like? Well, I mean, my only experience to, to begin with was like 150 people when I first started last year, including the players. So oh, it was, wow. Yeah, Empty ballpark. Oh. Our director is using the, uh, the 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 tracks, the audience tracks mm-hmm. that sounds quote unquote mm. sounds like people are there. And yeah, it, it just didn't. But we we had to make do with the with the circumstances. That season ended, came back, and we were lucky enough to have twenty. Or twenty five, I think, is what yeah. was allowed, which is ten thousand. Ten thousand. And and wow. that was enough to make a noise. So That's again, right. another step up. Okay. Every single homestand I've played this year has been a step up. Okay. Where it's been and finally when they announce it's gonna be full for, for this homestand, I'm like, Oh, this is gonna be great. And nothing I imagined was underrated. It, really? It, it, it just brought me back to when I would go as a fan and, and it, it, when you can't hear yourself think and you have to stop playing and just let them take over yeah that that's what I live for that's man that's so that's, cool that's so that was really cool do you just like so if people you're how old are you 27 so okay you're 27 one of the organists at Wrigley uh and you do, I'll say this as your friend, but somebody there, you do an awesome job. Oh, like you man, listen to it and you're like, listen to him. He's playing. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Yeah, but pull the curtain back. Go behind the scenes. How yeah. do, Who decides what gets played? Well, I was that curious totally about that too. You? Are you just deciding? Is there a group? How do you decide what happens? They give me pretty uh, much all the liberty to play what I want for the uh, the opening. And then when the game starts, it's, it's just about being the cheerleader and responding to situations okay, and circumstances. Okay. And you get better at it as you go along. Yeah. I have a big reference sheet on like an Excel spreadsheet that's, you know, stuff for fouls, stuff for walks. Stuff oh, for, interesting. And that's I, cool. And I think of some and I have my Twitter feed up or whatever and people will send me suggestions. Wait, are you serious? So that's been really fun. What's but, like the most fun song that you like to play? Every night, like once a game, I'll play the Simpsons theme. <laughs> once a game, and it's, it's solely for one of our DJs. Oh, that's because hilarious! He loves it. And anytime uh, one Keith Conrad, yes, awesome. yes. He, he when he listens in, he'll hear it. But that's amazing. That's one of those like so unique. Like oh, the guy just played for no reason. Yeah, played the yeah, Simpsons theme that's cool. Song, but yeah, well, let me ask you this. We'll, we'll end with this. Are you? You just like pinch yourself when you're up there. Like, what? How am I here? I've been. I'm a Cubs fan. I've been coming to Wrigley. I play the organ. All of a sudden, now you're up there. It's got to be a surreal experience every time you get to do it. It. it the jitters went away pretty quick. Okay. Like, where I would get nervous. Yeah. But, you know, a few times, especially this year, I don't know why, I caught myself just standing and like, oh, dude, this is. It. It's. 
beyond what I could have imagined. Cool. Not That's not so because cool. it's the, the most amazing thing in the world. It's 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 a niche, unique job. But yeah. like. Forty people in the country have the jobs. Right. That's amazing. It's something that no one John. thinks about. It's so strange, but it it it. I feel like it suits me, and I'm I'm glad they they chose me to be that guy. It feels so. like you're in the middle. You're like a history maker too. Like there's something very because, <laughs> like, like you said, you don't necessarily think about the job, but every time you think about baseball games, you do think about that sound yes. in the background, and I, that's really cool. That's oh, awesome. Well, we'll well, get thanks, free guys. tickets sometime from them too. So that'll be fun. Sure. <laughs> Ryan, exactly. Well, thanks, John. It's fun thanks, to see you, man. John. That's fun. That's thanks, fun. guys. I appreciate you. All right, Aubrey. Here's the question that I wanted to finish with. Uh, you just said your church opened this weekend uh, or reopened at the place where you always were before. At yes. The Give us a report. Oh, what was man. It like? We had new families there. Like somehow in the middle of the pandemic, new people have started coming to Renewal Church, which is just crazy. That's it funny. felt great. It was That's so great. fun to be back. I'm happy for you guys. Yep. All right, can I just get to one last story? I said I'm done. Yeah, if, let's hear it. If people haven't seen this, please oh, just Google it. For I know what you're going to talk about. We have to talk about this. Guy got swallowed by a guy claims to have got swallowed by a whale off of Cape Cod. And Almost back swallowed. Out. He was he was in the whale's mouth, but did not get swallowed. All right, people Apparently. need to Google this. If you yeah. don't, we can't, we don't have time to tell you the story, right. so you need to Google it. Right. You and I were texting with our producer as well about yes. this. Is this a real life Jonah story? I'm right. going to show the cynic in me. I don't think it actually. You happened. don't believe it. I don't. Do you? Do you I, believe it? Yeah, happened? I kind of believe it happened. I, I, I don't know why you'd make up like I was in the mouth of a whale. That feels like such an extreme lie that you wouldn't tell that lie. But it can never get checked. What are you going to do? Go ask the whale? Right. <laughs> it can never get checked. You're right. You're right. So we're off and running. We want. We thought it'd be fun. Man, when I was watching that Cubs game, how cool is that to hear? Like, we know the organist. We know the, the organist. I go. love it. There you go. Lots of fun stuff. Well, coming up next, we're excited to talk to Dr. Phil Stringer. He's the vice president of church relations at Dayspring Bible College and Seminary. Uh, he's also going to be one of the speakers at the Grace Conference that's happening June 24th and 25th. We're going to talk about that conference with Dr. Phil Stringer next year on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us on this Monday afternoon. Hope your Monday is off, your week is off to a good start. One of the things we're excited about here at AM 1160 is the Grace Conference that's coming up. The Grace Conference is happening on June the 24th and the 25th. Uh, and so we're excited to talk to one of the speakers who will be at the Grace Conference. His name is Dr. Phil Stringer. Phil, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us today. I'm doing just tremendous. Nice to hear from you. Absolutely. We are so glad that you're joining us. Hey, Phil, before we talk about the Grace Conference, something we like to do when people join us, when we have guests, is just to allow them to introduce themselves. So why don't you introduce yourself to our audience however you'd like. My name is Phil Stringer. I have the privilege of being the vice president at Dayspring Bible College, which is Quentin Road Baptist Church, which is the home of the Grace Conference. I'm also a evangelist, Bible conference speaker. I'm Right now, out in Hagerstown, Maryland, as soon as we get done, I'll be getting ready to go over uh, for a Bible conference this evening. I have been in this business for 47 years. Wow. Oh, good for I, you. I try to convince people I started when I was three. Absolutely. I have been in this for 47 years. Uh, I love it dearly, and I love uh, conferences where 
pastors, Christian workers, folks from a variety of churches can come together. That's always a special time. Oh, that's great. And again, you can learn more about the conference at graceconference.com. You can register there as well. Phil, why don't you tell us what you'll be talking about at the Grace Conference? Well, the way the Grace Conference is set up, we have four plenary main sessions where everybody's together, and we have four times that are workshops where you pick between ten different workshops. Mm -hmm. I will be doing two workshops. One is on the history of Christian education in the United States. And then we're going to talk about how the United States was built on Christian education. Eventually, that sort of got uh, consumed by uh, public education, and Christian education influenced public education a lot. But boy, are we coming to a day when a lot of people are questioning, what are our young people being taught? Mm-hmm. How does this work? Uh, how, do we, how do we deal with all the crazy things being taught around us? I'm going to go through the history of that from the, the colonial era, into our own time and what we're looking at and facing. I'm also going to do a workshop entitled uh, Internet Theologians, or How to Deal with Internet Theologians. We have a new phenomena today of Bible teachers that people have never met. They don't know anything about. They wouldn't recognize them if they passed them on the street. Mm. But but they're exerting influence on a lot of folks. And uh, a lot of them come without credentials or background that is known. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, a- in the main session, which is that I have privilege to preach, I will be uh, looking at uh, what's God done for us lately. And it, mm-hmm. it sort of stems from an, uh, trying to have an understanding of all the theological blessings God's given us. We're so conscious of them in the early years of being born again. Sometimes we kind of forget them as we go on and Try to call back. Let's look at those things God did for us from the very beginning that He's still doing for us today. Oh, that sounds Thanks. fascinating, Phil. I would love to jump off on that one. Why do you think we forget? Because Aubrey and I are both pastors. We kind of feel that a lot. Uh, that that in my own life or in other people's lives in my church, that you do kind of forget what happened when you first came to know Jesus and and all that that has to do. So I guess I would ask you two part. Why do you think we forget? And what might be an answer or two if we're like, yeah, you know what? I have kind of forgotten and grown apathetic. Well, first of all, it's human nature. We get consumed with what's around us, what's right in front of us. Often we forget the most precious, wonderful things. Uh, you, you just see it over and over again that certain things will spare you and remind you. Mm-hmm. I just had one of the close friends of my youth pass away uh, last week. And, oh, well, so sorry. That we're talking about. It grabs your attention. Mm. You know, I'll say, hey, we always meant to do this and get together again about this and all that. Uh, and, and some things things have to sort of stir us and grab our attention. Yeah. That is, of course, one reason. Secondly, in the United States, we have an incredibly busy culture. Mm-hmm. And by busy, I don't mean that we work harder than other people. I mean we have more different things involved in our life at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it takes up our attention. And uh, sometimes in the course of all that, we forget what is most important, we forget what blesses us the most and means the most to us. Mm. Yep, that's good. Um, Phil, why would you encourage someone to attend the conference? Maybe there's a listener right now considering checking out the registration at graceconference.com. What will people take away from the event? Well, I was actually a, um, before I was ever a participant in the Grace Conference program, it's been my blessing to 
teach workshops and and that for a number of years and then main sessions I've spoken at I think this will be the seventh year but I was an attendee mm. before I ever had any of those privileges and I honestly believed it was the best conference that I went to wow there's just a number of factors in that so it was a double privilege for me to be invited to be part of it I do this kind of thing all the time as I mentioned I'm in Maryland right now but but there were so many things about this conference the focus on it uh, it, it's grace theology, but the application of it, there is an atmosphere there that I just found to be incredibly um, encouraging. There's a difference in programming. Most conferences that people come from around the country, around the world to, they are so jam-packed, you run from one session to another, and if you see somebody you recognize, you're lucky to have time to nod at them as you run by. This was designed to be different. Mm. There's an hour break between sessions. Folks make new friends. They have a chance to see old friends and genuinely spend time with them. And uh, I just found that amazingly different and incredibly refreshing. And as the years go by, I find it more and more important that we have those these times. And I think we need each other more than we ever have yeah. in, in my lifetime and my awareness. I love that. Uh, there are a number of great folks, speakers, brought from all over the country uh, to teach specialty things in workshops. And uh, you, you can look at those and say, hey, well, these are these 10 things. and I think this is the one I want the most. Mm. But, but it's not like other conferences I've been to because you're going to get an MP3 player of all 40 workshops. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's uh, great. So what you didn't get to go to this afternoon, that would, that would have been my second choice. You get to listen to it later. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, using technology yeah, for that. I think that's tremendous. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, that's Dr. Phil Stringer, uh, Vice President of Church Relations at Dayspring Bible College and Seminary. He's going to be part of the Grace Conference. Graceconference.com is where you can check it out, the Grace Conference. That is happening uh, June 24th, which is a Thursday, Thursday, June 24th, and Friday, June 25th at Quinton Road Bible Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, right here in our backyard. If you would like to register, go to graceconference.com. Again, that's Grace conference.com. Phil, we really hope the conference goes great. Thanks so much for spending time with yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for being here with us. You're sure welcome, and I appreciate you calling us to folks' attention. God bless y'all. God bless you as well, and we're glad that you're joining us today. Coming up next, Aubrey and I are going to start to wade into the waters of what's going on in Nashville with the Southern Baptist Convention that's kicking off this week. We're going to talk about that next here on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. friends, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us today on this Monday afternoon. All right, Aubrey, on Mondays, one of the things we like to do is to encourage phone calls. That's right. Is to encourage some interaction. Some call-ins. And so here's what we want. Later in the show, uh, kind of around 5.15, uh, we want to talk Father's Day. Yes. And uh, you put, tell us what you put online. You put up Facebook. People can also, what else we're going to do is read your replies off of our Facebook, Instagram, or what have you. What are, What is it that we're searching for yeah, today? Yeah, so I asked the question, who are your favorite TV dads? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's fun to talk about. That's on social media. But you can also... Uh, Tell us if you go to at Common Good Tuck on Instagram, look at our Insta story. You can tell us some advice your dad gave you, the best advice you received from your dad. Or, again, you can call us at 312 
860-2594. And just really tell us a memory of your dad. Again, top five TV dad, best advice for your dad, anything daddy related. There you go. We're doing Father's Day today. So uh, I think this is spurring me on to do a new segment that I had for you that I haven't done yet. I've been waiting yet. for I this, think, Brian. I think maybe tomorrow or the next day where okay. I tell you dad jokes. Yes. And you decide if they're funny or dumb. Dad joke or dead joke. That's what I've decided as dead the title. joke yeah. or dead joke. Dead joke. Oh, I thought you said dead. So dad dead. will be if it's funny. Dad will be if it's just Do you want me to give dumb. you one? you want me to just give you one? Let's do it. Let's do it. So this is, so I'm like, like every dad, like every 44-year-old like myself, I'm sure your husband does this. Like, it becomes a goal in life yeah. to just annoy your children yeah. with jokes. And I was like, you know, my dad did it to me, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, my kids will do it. To, my son will do it to his kids. All right. So here's the joke. Are you ready? Okay. I think so. I, right. I'm a, a little afraid, but here we go. So nobody really knew wh- where he was in time. But did you know that they just figured out uh, kind of what generation Forrest Gump is a part of? Do you know what it is? <laughs> no. Gen A. <laughs> <laughs> Yes? Yeah, that's good. I got it. That's good. That's a good dad that's joke right there. Oh, <laughs> you, you, gave a, you gave a look like you were not going to laugh. No, but then it got me. It got me. It snuck up on me. Jenny! Jenny! Yeah. So you're going to go use that joke on somebody else? Solid, that's good. Solid dad good. joke right there, Brian. Or something right there. All right. Off to a good start. So maybe, maybe we'll do a whole segment, or maybe every day I'll just come with one. And, uh, yeah, see and what they, happens. Graduate, okay, Jenna, I really like, I like that one. It. Okay, so call us 312-660-2594. That's 312-660-2594. As later on in the show, we talk about dads. Okay, so this is a big right turn. Yeah. we got to talk about what is not just the biggest thing going in Christendom and evangelicalism, especially here in America uh, this week, but in a long time. Uh, and that is what is going on in Nashville yes. this week, and that is the Southern Baptist Convention. Right. So let me paint uh, just a picture of what's going on, because some of you okay. might be like, again, we're going to talk about this. Well, <laughs> let's talk about it in a couple different fronts. One, this is by far the largest denomination uh, in uh, Protestantism yes. and in evangelicalism yes. in America. Yes. Not even close. Right. And so what happens in the Southern Baptist, whether you're a Southern Baptist or not, it does trickle down. And it kind of it, it kind of um, becomes uh, influences all of Christianity here in America. And yeah. So that's one, because neither you nor I are Southern Baptists, right. but that's one. Uh, two, they are wrestling with some issues and some uh, some cultural forces this week that uh, that are really plaguing all of Christianity. Yes. It's kind of rarely there's a reckoning going on right now on a couple different levels. Uh, Ed Stetzer wrote really powerfully about this at Christianity Today. Uh, you know, they're discussing uh, racism mm-hmm. and race mm-hmm. and critical race theory mm-hmm. and uh, what's the direction of of the denomination, of their schools, yep. of their churches as it comes to race. Yes. They're talking about uh, do they investigate past sexual abuse scandals right. or do they just try to move into the future? What right. are they going to do with sexual abuse scandals? And and really, there's just a kind of a tug of war right now between really conservative. Uh, there's a new organization called the Christ, uh, Conservative Baptist Network mm-hmm. that is really playing hard. Uh, then you've got the J.D. Grizz, you got Russell Moore. Yep. You, it, there's just so much. It's like a reality show. It's yeah. like a uh, and and really what what happens this week in Nashville with the Southern Baptist Convention will not only 
uh, really kind of define what the Southern Baptist Convention will be yeah. going forward. I think there's a certain way that if it goes a certain way, you're going to see a fleeing of African-American yeah. pastors yeah. from the Southern Baptist Definitely. or other things. Definitely. Uh, but if you see it go another way, you're going to see a fleeing of some conservative pastors yep. and churches. And so, uh, but then, as I said, it's going to trickle down and it's going to affect all of us, yes. uh, how we, we're going to have to deal with some of these things and deal with this. And so uh, I think you would agree, this is a really big deal, what's going on this week. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, it sort of feels like if, if you... If you look, if you look at it and you even think about the influence politically that the Southern Baptist right. Church has, this is not just a moment for the Southern Baptist Church. This is a moment for Christianity in general, historically, that we will look back on and say what choices were made, what decisions were made, what action steps were made. And depending on those decisions and choices and hopefully changes, I really think we're going to see some major fallout, mm-hmm. um, or we're going to see a tide turning in a really good way. And, and I think this is hopefully a moment of good change and hope, um, but it's definitely a moment of reckoning, like you said, Brian. Absolutely. We're going to have a guy that we really respect and enjoy. He's going to be on the show later today, David French, to talk about this. He wrote a, a, a powerful blog post at the French Press about what's happening in Nashville this week. Uh, and, and I wanted to hone in on one of the specific um, contested uh, issues, if yeah. you will, and that's around past sexual abuse scandals. So yeah. uh, Southern Baptist churches, and, and hopefully I get this right, they're, they're a denomination, but they're also independent, yeah. right? Like, and so there's, that's they're one autonomous. of the big, yeah, yeah, that's one of the big deals. But there have been undoubtedly, as is going to be the case in an organization that large, there have been through the years, uh, some really heartbreaking stories of sexual abuse and just things that are started coming to light. And yeah. there's a there's a portion of the Southern Baptist Convention that's saying we need an independent investigation. Where did we get it wrong? Where was their cover yes. up? Where were their criminal stuff? Yes. There's another very strong faction that says we are not doing that. We are letting sleeping dogs lie and we are moving on. Mm-hmm. And I really think this is probably the most important thing that that and what you know this whole discussion about race yeah. and critical race theory yeah. and whatever else there if the southern baptists land on we are not going to deal with the past sex yeah. uh, scandals yeah i i don't know how you recover from that i don't know how that sort of covering things up in the name of whatever mm-hmm. unity or mm-hmm. progress or mm-hmm. we got to focus on the great commission whatever if if you don't deal with uh, the the black eyes and the pain yes. of 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 your organization, but also the people who have been abused. Yeah, these abuse survivors. You are now saying to the people who did the abusing, we're not going to do anything about. Yeah, this. we're not taking you seriously. In some cases, as we saw from the Russell Moore leaked letters, you are the enemy. You're actually the one at fault. I I honestly don't know how if the if the S. If the Southern Baptists decide not to do these investigations, I don't know how they will sleep at night. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they will look Jesus in the face. Like, I mean, I know there's the grace of God, but this honestly makes zero sense to me why you would not look at these past mistakes, have an investigation, right. and find out how to do better, repent, turn from your wicked way, and ask the Lord to heal our land. Like, I just don't understand why there would be any opposition to this, but... I know some people, I, I don't know, I don't understand the other side of it. Yep, yep. Uh, Ed Stetzer writes this, 
First, there needs to be an independent investigation regarding regarding recent accusations of mishandling abuse claims. We need to ask hard questions about what was handled well, what went wrong, and more. Truth be told, survivors and our Baptist family deserve better than leaked letters with accusations mm. followed by counter accusations. Given the severity of the issue at hand, we need clarity on these accusations that only an independent third-party investigation can give. Yeah. If we are people of truth, we need to seek the truth. That's such an okay. important line. Like, we shouldn't be afraid of the truth. Uh, but then it didn't start off well this morning uh, where they, there was real pushback on any kind of investigating. This won't really flesh itself out for a couple days yeah. here at the convention. Uh, but Daniel Aiken, uh, who is very well known, he's uh, at the seminary. He said, it is hard to imagine under any circumstances that a body of believers of the Lord Jesus would vote to limit in any way an investigation to find the truth when there are serious allegations related to sexual abuse. Praying our convention charts the right course tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a lot at play here because there are people who have been abused. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, I can just think of my Christian brothers and sisters who have railed against the Catholic Church or Hollywood. Exactly. Or this or that. Exactly. Well, now it, it, the same standard has to apply. Yeah, yeah. And this is a chance to be transparent. Yes. This is a chance to be restorative. Yes. This is a chance to lament, yes. as you have talked about. This yes. is a real opportunity to say to a watching world. Yes. Uh, we, we're taking this seriously. We got things wrong. Yes. We're going to try to do yes. better. And let us, you know, deal with it as opposed to, you know, what we're going to hide what happened and just keep going because and, we're and afraid we're, of what might come out. Right. And we're going to devalue the, the young girls and the women's stories. I mean, I think okay. ultimately that's what we're saying is that these victims of abuse by pastors are not valid. They're not human. They're not part of the church. Like by by not going forward with that investigation, you are saying a lot that's about right. you're saying a lot that you're not saying. And um, I think you're right, Brian. The world is watching. Mm -hmm. Like, may we be people who honor the women in our midst and the young girls in our midst and the survivors in our midst. And may we honor God by honoring them. Absolutely. And so a lot going on down there. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, you can follow someone like Kate Shellnut from Christianity Today on Twitter this week. She's live tweeting. Bob Smetana is as well. Uh, Watch for, at the very top, who gets elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's It's going to tell you a ton. Well, coming up next, I want to share with you just an inspirational story that I came across on Twitter of a high school basketball player out in Torrey Pines, California in the San Diego area and something amazing that happened this week. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside a dancing Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us today. I do, I get like all excited to see what music we're coming back to. I know, and you've been dancing too, Brian. I feel like you're stepping up that dance game over there. We're almost ready for TikTok. The I time know, has come. I know. Somewhere, somewhere our old uh, administration at Wheaton College, where you and I are both... Uh, <laughs> You and I are both alumnus of alumni. They're, they're just like, mm. Right. It was Footloose over there when we were when we were in college. No dancing. Yeah, we, <laughs> well, like the other day, you did tell us that you were dyeing your hair when you were a Wheaton crazy color. So yes. I don't know. Yeah, that was how I rebelled. I couldn't dance, but I could color my hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really funny. We both did love Wheaton very much and, uh, yeah, enjoyed it very much. All right. I want to share a... 
an inspirational story that I just came across the other day. So let me tell you the story. Okay. It is out of Torrey Pines, the San Diego area in, in California. Uh, a boy, a guy by the name of Nick Herman. Nick Herman, when he was a junior in high school, he spent 70 days in the hospital wow. for a very specific type of cancer in his leg. And they feared he might lose his leg. Hmm. Uh, it, it says that this article I'm reading from says the news hit Nick Herman like he had just taken a charge from a 280-pound power forward. The doctor put his hands at UCLA, put his hands on Nick's shoulder and told him he never may, may never play basketball again. Wow. We hugged. We both cried. But Herman said this. But the doctor didn't know me very well. I used that day as inspiration. I was determined to prove her wrong. In September of 2018, Herman was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, a cancerous tumor in his left leg. Wow. Survival rate 70 to 90 percent, but you've got the chance of losing your leg wow. or being disabled okay. or whatever else it might be. So that's it. High school basketball player wants to keep playing, but he's got this dangerous disease, might lose his leg. The question is, is he ever going to play again? So back a year ago, I want you to hear the audio just of what he said about what was driving him, what was getting him ready. And then I want to tell you the rest of the story. What Herman says will power through this fight is a goal he set when he was first diagnosed. A year from now, he wants to return to the basketball court. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that I can't do. And if... um... I can I can for sure push through it, and um, you know I'm kind of excited for the challenge to be honest. No matter how bad things get, like you can always make the most out of it, and I think God's given me that opportunity, and um, I'm just going to keep my head up and you know work work as hard as I can, you know fight through the cancer, do everything the doctors tell me to do, and just uh, you know just look at it positively. You know, if I could get through this, I mean there's no way I can't get through other challenges, and. Uh, I'm just going to work as hard as I can to uh, reach all my goals. And, you know, setting goals like that, it really helps you get through, like, the tough and difficult times. So I would never have talked like that. I was just thinking, like, you're a mature, (laughs) inspiring young man. I would have been, like, crying, listening to devastating music. Like, this guy, what a great uh, role model. So the story doesn't end there. He continues to rehab. So he says, no, I'm going to try to beat this. Well, let me tell you what happened last night. Just last night, okay? Nick Herman, he was told he probably would never play basketball again. Last night, his team was in the championship game at 28-0. Haven't lost all year. Who hit the game-winning three-pointer from 30 feet away? Stop it. Who hit the game-winner at the buzzer to win the game? None other than Nick Herman. That makes me want to bawl my eyes out. That's amazing. That is a Disney movie right there. It is a Disney movie. This kid was told you might lose your leg. You're never going to play again. So maybe the best you can help is he plays a little bit. But, you know, it's those those videos where they let him shoot a layup. And it's like he let him be the team manager. No, he became uh, one of their best players. They went 29-0, and 0, and amazing. you got to look it up on Twitter. The shot he hit last night was not from just off the three-point line. It was like 10 feet behind the three-point line at the buzzer. He's weeping at the end of the uh, game. Yeah, of course he, he is. is. I found this story uh, of perseverance, yes. this story of perspective, yes. all of this to be so powerful. You're a pastor. This is a sermon illustration waiting to happen. What can we take from this story? What, what uh, Someone out there who's struggling right now, what can we take from this high school kid? I mean, I think the strongest thing is him saying, you know, the doctor and I hugged, but that doctor doesn't know me. That's right. I am going to fight this. Like, that attitude, and, and him talking about finding his strength in God, like, that attitude really is the difference between victory and victimhood. And mm. I just, I mean, I'm really moved by this. I'm not even really a sports person, but this is like, 
this is pretty powerful. And I think a lesson for all of us that whatever we're up against, you can choose a perspective. I mean, this kid has Mm. bone cancer, could lose his leg, could never play this game again. But instead, he says, you know what? I'm going to fight. And even, this is the crazy thing, even if cancer had won in this battle, which it didn't, he would have gone out fighting. And to me, there's something really inspiring about that. What do you think? That's well put. I think also there's an idea of, uh, so if, if when he's laying in that hospital and he had said, uh, I'm going to go hit the game-winning shot and to win the championship, even to him that might have been overwhelming. I yeah. think there's a lesson here about like just taking the next step and mm-hmm. taking the next step. That's so he had to make the decision, I'm going to beat this. And then yeah. he had to make the decision, I'm going to rehab. And then he's got yeah. to make the decision, I'm going to keep playing. And he keeps going and he keeps going and it ends itself on this, this is a mo- someone's got to make a movie of this. Totally, uh, but even I think you make a great point. Not all of us are going to have these like glorious victories, but there is something to the battle of keep fighting, mm-hmm. keep that positive attitude, keep that attitude that says they don't know me, and you never know what God's going to do in your life. You never know what you can overcome, and this story hopefully is inspiring. Yeah, you never know who li- whose lives are going to be touched simply by the fact that he chose to say yes and to keep fighting. It reminds me of we've talked about Chadwick Boseman mm-hmm. on the show, the actor who played back. Black Panther, among other iconic characters. And, you know, he was fighting cancer the whole time, and he just kept going. And there is something, I think so many of us want to sort of, like, shrivel up in a little ball in the corner. And I'm sure Nick is a human, a young man. He had moments where he shriveled up in the ball, cried with his parents, cried with his best buds. But in general, the fact that he got to see this game-winning shot and, and got to win this battle is just, yeah, it's beautiful reminding all of us that even in the hard times, small or big, we can find strength in God and keep going. That's a great point. And how dare you reference Chadwick Boseman after yesterday I watched Infinity War and was deeply shaken by it. Oh, Brian. Yep. Yep. I don't don't even know what to say. Like, I watched it and I I was... You know that's called the blip? They'll start referring to that that moment as the blip. I I mean, all of a sudden, I was like, what What just happened? Yeah, yes. I don't handle, like, usual suspects, those kind of things. I don't handle those well at first. (laughs) (laughs) It was emotional. That moment in in, uh, Avengers Infinity War is very emotional. Yes, anyway. But I want you to go on Twitter and find the story of Nick Herman. H-E-R-R-M-A-N-N. Two R's, two N's. You read the story, but mostly go see the shot. It's unbelievable. Uh, it feels like it needs music behind it. It needs all of it. It is just wonderful. Well, coming up next hour, we want some callers. 312-660-2594. That's 312-660-2594. Also, you could go to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram page. Aubrey put some stuff up there that we're trying. We're going to read your responses. What are some things that you learned from your dad? What are some of your favorite memories? This is Father's Day week. Maybe who are some of your top five TV dads? We would love to hear those. And if they're good, we'll read them on the air. 312-660-2594. Glad that you're joining us today here on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about milestones. What are the things that we should be celebrating? And then we're joined by David French, Senior Editor at The Dispatch. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. 
there's an anniversary going on today. Yeah. I think, um, oh, what was it? Just the other day, it was the 35th anniversary of Ferris, Ferris Bueller's, Bueller's Day, Day Off. Day off. This yep. is when you start to feel old when it's like... You're like I know. How is that possible? Anniversary, but uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, a fabulous movie. Be careful showing it to your children, yes. as I learned the hard way with yes. my oldest child. Good advice. Uh, but it is the 40th anniversary of another major movie, yeah. which is... Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. We actually have a little bit of a clip to share with you from that. Jones, do you realize what the Ark is? It's a transmitter. It's a radio for speaking to God. An army which carries the Ark before it is invincible. The Ark. It is their Atonis. Then it is something that man was not meant to disturb. It is protected by forces beyond imagination. It is desired above all treasures on earth by those who are good, trust me, and those who are evil. I tell you everything. Yes, I know you will. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Better go. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. I was just thinking that. I, I, I was listening to that preview going, I feel like I don't remember a lot of that movie, but I love I, Indiana Jones. The snakes, right? There's the snakes oh, and the, the snakes. ball coming down. Yes. Do you, do you remember Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? That's the one, isn't it, where like they've got to get the, uh, the the cup that Jesus used? Am I oh, right? Oh, that... Uh, I yeah, think right. I, th- I think so. And it, that's got Sean Connery as yes. the dad and then yes. Shia LaBeouf as the son. I so, like that one. That's a good one. No, no, no. It's still Indiana Jones. It's still, um, it's still Harrison Ford. Well, I, I mean, but he's got his father and son. So that's a generational uh, okay. Joneses in that we, movie. Apparently, we need to go watch these movies. Yeah, again. clearly. But <laughs> it's making make stuff us up now. 40 years, start thinking about Star Wars and this and that. And so it got us thinking about this idea yes. of commemoration and milestones. Yes. And uh, there was an interesting article at the Christianity Today uh, that talks about, as Christians, the things that we celebrate. What are the milestones that that we celebrate? This is written by Anna Broadway, and uh, she talks about the fact that some of them are obvious, right? Like we celebrate engagements and weddings Weddings. and uh, graduations. Yeah, babies, you know, being born or gender reveal parties. Correct. I don't get, well, that's going to be a topic for another day, but... (laughs) Uh, the whole, um, you know, graduation, new job, whatever else. There are some major ones. But she kind of says uh, we need to think more comprehensively about the things that we celebrate uh, and the reasons that we celebrate. What are some of the stuff she talks yeah, about? Yeah, she talks about she has a, a alumni group and they celebrate things like the completion of projects. For instance, costumes when they go to Renaissance fairs or something like that or the completing of a friend's set of cups with nostalgic significance. And what she's talking about is so much of this world um, we feel like we have to celebrate, like you said, big things, the married life, the material successes. But what she's saying is little things in life mm-hmm. allow us to honor um, the Imago Day in all people. So sometimes when we celebrate just weddings, just babies being born, mm. that can leave out a population of people who aren't having kids or aren't getting married. And so what she's saying is let's find other things to celebrate because um, all people are part of God's family. And this helps us practice gratitude. And I, I like that. I, I think especially coming out of the pandemic, let's celebrate, you know, when there's a, a night of 
a full moon or a be- <laughs> beautiful stars or the Cubs win or like there's lots of not things we Cubs. can celebrate. But oh, yeah, there, that's right. You're not a Cubs fan. There is, you know, when, when people get baptized at our church and we have them get up and share, I always talk about baptism being a, an enormous mile marker mm, in kind of your yes. life. And I think what this is getting at is if life truly is a journey, ups and downs, yeah. twists and turns, sometimes we only look forward. And like, mm-hmm. what is that? And sometimes I, what I think we need to get better at is looking backwards. That's like, good. Like, where were the, the transformational parts of my life? Uh, where did God work? Where did I see God at work? Uh, but also, what are the highs and the lows that I can learn from and celebrate? And then going forward, what what are the things that we can highlight? And Because what happens is... We so often just go day to day, month to month, year to year, yeah. and we don't ever slow down mm. and mark things. And of course, you're going to mark a wedding. Sure. Of course, you're going to mark a baby and these things. But instead, I think what she's getting at is what are the more uh, mundane things that are still transformational, that are still important, yeah. uh, that can be like, hey, you know what? I want to I want to celebrate that and then celebrate it with people and do this. I, I think there's something to be said uh, about having the ability to just see what's happening in your life while it's happening and just mm. go, okay, this is a big deal or it's not a big deal, but it's, it's an important thing in my life. Yeah. And I want to talk about it, even though maybe it doesn't rise up to a wedding or right, a baby. Right. Right. And then, and then making that intentional choice to just stop and celebrate it That's and right. stop and make it a big deal ultimately because you want to honor God and because you want to just delight in the gift of life. Right. One of the things that she talks about in this article on Christianity today is, The rich communal life of our brothers and sisters in non-evangelical traditions can provide an inspiring example. Orthodox Christians describe a very full calendar of feasts and fasts. Some I interviewed said they might fast in some form for nearly half the year. And I don't think that's what this author is calling people to. This is Anna Broadway again on Christianity Today. But I think she is challenging us to get outside of our little celebration bubbles and start Yeah, marking the moments in life that matter to a lot of people. Yeah, she writes, Thanksgiving also helps us remember God's goodness, a practice that usually takes more than words. Is it any coincidence God appointed first the Passover, then the Lord's Supper to physically remember his deliverance? Hmm. Such celebrations help our whole bodies remember who God is. No matter our life stage, God's done far too much for his people for us to limit our celebrations to just weddings and communion. So that's a powerful article. Uh, It's at Christianity Today. Well, coming up next, we want to talk about dads. We're going to, Aubrey and I are going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what's it like for me to be a dad or honor our dads? Uh, What did our dads teach us, right? And we want to hear from you out there. So either go to our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram page at Common Good Talk and and put it in the comments. We're going to read some of them. Uh, Or you could call us 312-660-2594-312-660-2594. Nine four. We would love to hear from you. That's what we're going to do next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. And Aubrey, it's only Monday, but but coming up at the end of this week, or the, I guess technically Sunday is the beginning of next week. That always throws me. <laughs> right, right. Father's Day. Father's Day. So you, you, Your dad? You moms had your day. Yeah. Oh, it's our day. <laughs> I feel like every day is Dad's Day. Come on. Oh, don't. just no, no, kidding. No. I, I do feel like Father's Day gets much less pomp and circumstance Definitely. than Mother's Day. Definitely. What, so, what does Kevin look for in Father's Day? Uh, you know, 
he wants to be with his family. He likes hanging out with his own dad and his sister and brother-in-law. And um, he, you know, he bought himself a triathlete bike recently, mm. which was sort of we kind of said, okay, that's your birthday present, Father's Day present, maybe Christmas present because it was a good one. So he's uh, he's sort of done. Unfortunately, I'm, that's it. What do you like for come, Father's well, this Day? This does come at the end of like a really intense amount of birthdays in my family and mother. Oh, and yeah, like, yeah. I could do without a gift, without a card, without yeah. anything. I like when Carrie's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, the U.S. Open's on. I would love to be able to just to sit and watch golf for like a while. Like uninterrupted. Yeah. yeah. The kids could be around. Oh, watching, okay, like, okay. There's not like this deep down guilt in the back of your head going, I really should be like weeding right yeah, now or yeah. helping with the dishes. But like, no, it's Father's Day. You just sit and watch yeah. baseball and golf. No, yeah, I'm good. I'm simple. good. Well, we want to hear about fathers from you. We want to hear from you. What are some of your memories of your dad? What did you learn from your dad? What did he pass on to you? Uh, also, some of you, we just want to hear from your top five uh, favorite uh, TV dad. So here's what you can do. You can go to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram page at Common Good Talk. You could comment there. Aubrey's going to read some of those in a second. Or you can call us. The phone number is 312-660-2594. That is 312-660-2594. Favorite memories of your dad. Or what's one thing that your dad taught you that he left with you. So I think some people have started on our Facebook page already, right? What do you want to... Yeah, so, well, we did get someone on our Instagram, uh, our Insta stories, best advice her dad ever gave her, or maybe it was the most advice her dad ever gave her, was uh, check the oil Mm. and check the tires, which that's a big one in my family. My dad was constantly having us check the oil, check the tires, and uh, my dad also had a thing about, he, he would say, check brake dust, which my sister and I have continually made fun of him his whole life because we're like, brake dust is not a real thing. But my dad's actual advice to us growing up was to um, drive backwards, stomp on the brakes, then drive backwards some more and stomp on the brakes to get rid of, quote unquote, brake dust, which my dad literally believed was real. Like he wasn't messing no, with no, his No, no, he was not. He actually, I think he read an article about it maybe in the 70s and like continued to like spout brake dust as mm. you drive backwards, stomp on your as dad advice. Did you get big advice from your dad growing up? Break dust. That's I know. I made fun of him at my sister's wedding for it because it's not true. But that yeah. is uh, that's isn't really, that funny? That's really funny. You know what I learned most from my dad was it's not like we were not the most handy family or like the most like, hey, this is how you change your oil or fix a car yeah. or whatever else it might be. Uh, my dad, I think now that I have kids, I look back, my dad was just always present. You know what I mean? He like I coached, love that. coached my, my teams That's or awesome. showed up to our stuff. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really realize it. Yeah. You're like, well, all right, yeah, dad's one of my coaches or this or that. But now that I'm a dad, I look back going, oh, okay. And that's something I really value for my kids. Like yeah. Carrie and I both, we've coached as many of our kids' teams as possible. That's cool. I'm the one who was chaperoning my kids' field trips when they were younger. That's cool. Like, I think I went to the Brookfield Zoo three time you know we we did all this stuff that's great and so i think it was passed down in our family just the value of time just being present and love that uh yeah what about you what'd you learn besides break dust um okay so a lot of folks have opinions about oh what did i learn from my dad or what did i learn from our people both okay so um (laughs) my dad my my dad's other big piece of advice was the squeaky wheel gets the oil you've probably heard that phrase so Uh like going after jobs going after something you want, going after whatever, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And so that was, uh, you know, we learned, 
we learned pretty early on to like hustle to get what you want so and be make sure the squeaky wheel. Be the squeaky wheel. That would be my dad's advice. I feel like for it sure. should be combined. Like be the brake dust. <laughs> be the brake dust. Yep. Yes, my dad was very. Uh, it was important to my dad that my sister and I were very professional, and so he was. It mattered how we dressed for work and how we you know, showed up for job uh, interviews and and that we asserted ourselves as the squeaky wheel. Yes. That was very important. To okay. Bring up. okay. Okay. What are people telling us? All right. Us? You ready to hear what our people are telling us? Uh, we got a lot of conversation about top best TV dads in history. All right. We got uh, Mike Brady from the Brady Bunch. Yeah, okay. Um, we got Al Bundy from Married with Children. It depends what you value in a father. I guess that's true. <laughs> hey, we got a Mandalorian. Yeah, um, I think we're going to hear that one from you at some point. hear that one at some point from me. Um, we got Zeke Braverman from the show Parenthood. Do you remember that show a few years ago? No. It's a great show. No, I'm not going to know most uh, of this. But. Lots of people are shouting Jack from This Is Us. We got a Cliff Huxtable, a Philip Banks, and a Charles Ingalls from Little House on the Prairie. We got a, a Bob Saget or uh, Danny Tanner. Yes. Yep. Oh, man, there's more This Is Us. Lots of people like This Is Us. Oh, here's one. Stephen Keaton from Family Ties. There you go. And then this is a good comment that we got. A lot of good names already mentioned on this list, but the thread would be incomplete without Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Okay, what about, do you, you don't have any advice? Do you give regular advice to your kids? Of course. And then, like I said, uh, I try to value time with my kids. Yes. Right? Like, I want to... Uh, I just want them to look back and remember that I was there. Yeah. And that's not the case for every dad. It's the, not every dad can do that. And, um, but I, I think about my kids and, and I most want to impart on them, um, a respect, right? Like be respectful of people, right? Be respectful of your mom, be respectful of, you know, people in your lives. Don't be a jerk. And so like I get, I get some of the most joy in my life when we hear back from, say, we got an email from the secretary at my kid's elementary school yeah. and just wanted to tell us, uh, and it, it almost brought me to tears. It was so sweet. Just wanted to tell Carrie and I uh, how much, how nice our kids have been over the years. And that sounds like, a, like, okay, great. But you know this, you're a parent. Like when you hear that about your kids, you're like, Okay, like we're we're winning on some sort. So, what would you? I'm I'm going to put the pressure on you. What is one oh. thing that you feel like uh, your husband is imparting on his kids, like yeah. as a father? What yeah. is what is at the top of that list? Uh, I would say there's a couple things. Kevin is a great dad. Um, Kevin puts my kids to bed every single night, even my 14 year old. All of them. Yes, meaning he doesn't like they're old enough to get in their bed themselves. But every single night he goes up. And he'll, like, lay in bed with them and, like, you know, make them laugh and hug them and tell them how proud he is of them every single night. And, like, at bedtime, I'm exhausted. I'm done. I'm, like, <laughs> go to bed, leave me alone. But he uses that time to engage with them. And it's very, very sweet. It's He's just very uh, relational yeah. with them. Um, and then I would say his other thing is that you don't have to be the best at what you're doing, but you have to work hard. That's a big thing for Kevin is he's, like, hard it's... Work. Hard work always overcomes talent. So his thing is, you don't need to be the fastest runner. You don't need the best artist. You don't need to be whatever it is, but you have to work hard at it, and you have to work consistently at it, and that's how you'll succeed. So that's something they would be like, yeah, Dad, we know. We don't have to be the best. We're, you know, <laughs> that gets repeated a lot at our house. That's awesome. I, yeah. uh, bedtime at our house is still, to this day, 
Like it's like a moving part. Like Carrie usually starts with Emily and I start with Jackson. Okay. And Carrie will come say goodnight to Jackson. I'll go quickly say goodnight to Emily, but I'll end up uh, back to Jackson. Uh, and then uh, Carrie will usually end up with Madeline. Like it's just like this. Okay, you're like all around. around. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love That's bedtime. Really cool. Every now and then I'm like, can we all just go to bed? I know, can't you just go done? to bed? I do. I mean, my boys don't like to go to bed until I've come up and hugged and kissed them. So I do end up going up there eventually. But Kevin does like the main routine okay we've got some other dads tv dads okay um this is a funny description a widower and aeronautical engineer stephen douglas as he raises his three sons that's the dad fred mcmurray on all my sons which is a show i don't really remember but i know who it is uh hank rutherford hill that's from a cartoon but i don't know what the show is from no i'm gonna get it wrong yeah. I could picture him with, yeah. the, with the hat. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We got an Andy Griffith. Okay. And then this is a good one. We got Tim the Toolman Taylor. I never liked that show. <laughs> He'd go, what does he make a weird wolf sound or something? Like, oh, oh. Ar, 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 yeah. Yep, yep, yep. He would always That's do that. That's about all I remember about that show. Yep. King of the Hill, by the way. King of the Hill. Hank, hence Hank Hill. Well, yes. Happy Father's Day week to the dads out That's there. That's right. We appreciate you dads. You We're matter. Excited. So coming up next for the rest of the hour... You're not going to want to miss this. We're going to be joined by David French. He's senior editor at The Dispatch, columnist for Time Magazine. He writes at The French Press. And today, he wrote just a fabulous post about what's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention, what's happening, what's at stake as they gather in Nashville this week. We are thrilled to be joined for the rest of the hour by David French. Next here on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey friends, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm, and we're thrilled to be joined uh, by a friend of the show, David French. He is a senior editor at The Dispatch, columnist for Time Magazine, uh, author of Divided We Fall. You can learn more at thedispatch.com. Also, our favorite named blog, The French Press, you can find him there. So, David, how are you? It's great to talk to you again. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me back. It's absolutely our pleasure. Hey, before we jump into all things Southern Baptist Convention, that's what we want to talk to you about today. Before we do that, could you just introduce yourself or remind our audience who you are so they can get to know you a little better? Yeah, I'm a senior editor at the Dispatch, a new conservative media organization, thedispatch.com. Um, I'm a columnist for Time Magazine, veteran, uh, about, most importantly, Christian husband and father. That's awesome. Great, great. And David, again, uh, in your backyard down in Nashville today is the beginning of the Southern Baptist Convention. And you wrote about it at the French Press uh, entitled Character is Destiny for the Southern Baptist Convention. And you started this way. You started your article by saying uh, 16,000 Southern Baptists descend upon Nashville for one of the most important conventions of this decade. And then you said, note that I did not say Baptist conventions or either religious conventions. I just said conventions, period. Why are you framing this uh, Southern Baptist Convention going on in Nashville as one of the most important conventions in recent history? Well, it's, it's a simple, it's, it's simple. The Southern Baptist Convention is one of the most powerful cultural forces in the entire United States of America. Mm. It's not just one of the most powerful cultural forces, one of the most powerful uh, political forces. Right. So, mm. the SBC constitutes a huge chunk of uh, the American evangelical uh, world and has a huge influence, therefore, on the culture of other churches, yeah. and the culture of the Christian even the Christian world in general, I and mean, my own denomination, Christian Church in America, 
there's just a few hundred thousand people. I mean, the, the SBC is 14 million. Mm. Wow. Enormous financial power. And so, you know, a lot of people talk about cults that the, the right doesn't, you know, win in culture. Well, the, the right wholly has the culture of the SBC in the palm of its hand, and it's really um, it's going to be interesting and important to see how um, it uses that power. Yeah, definitely. Um, David, one of the things that you say kind of in the middle of this article that I thought was so powerful, you say, watching the drama unfold, three words come to mind. Character is destiny. I um, was just curious what, I mean, I think I know what you mean, but what do you mean in light of everything that's happening with the SBC right now? Yeah, well, what I, what I basically mean is that all of the best intentions in the world, all of the best ideas in the world, um, all of the most interesting debates in the world have become rapidly sort of meaningless and can even be toxic if the people, if the individuals who lead an institution, the individuals who comprise the, the debate, who make up the debate, if these people are lacking seriously in character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this is something we've often used that phrase in the context of politics, where we've had these huge debates on how much does it matter if a politician has character? And I think it's pretty well established at this point that it really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if that's true for politicians, it's triply true for uh, leaders of churches. And, and in particular, I think one of the things that's very important for people to realize when we write about some of the scandals and problems in the SBC, you know, we're not talking about, like, uh, you know, uh, drama amongst, say, the elders of the First Baptist Church of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I mean, right. I, I don't know if there's a First Baptist Church. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, just a, you know, a small church that's having its own, you know, problems with corruption or its own problems with abuse. We're talking about issues amongst the leaders, uh, President of the Executive Committee of the SBC, uh, a presidential hopeful for the SBC convention, right. uh, former leaders at seminaries, and so these are things that are you know we're talking about controversies that impact the people at the very top, yeah. and exercise enormous amounts of power and influence within the denomination. Yeah. yeah, and David, for the people in our audience who you know we read all these articles, we kind of know what's going on in the SBC. But for those people who don't. What are the major decisions that are being made? What are the major controversies that are trying to be? Won? I know that's a big question, but how would you how would you summarize kind of what is being discussed and what's at stake over the next couple of days? Yeah, I'm I'm reminded of the length of the famous blame from the Prince's Bride. Let <laughs> me explain. No, it's too much. <laughs> that's it. Uh, so it's a lot of what's happening in the SBC are some of the same kind of controversies that are, are really roiling the rest of American society. How do you deal with sex abuse? Mm-hmm. Uh, How, what do you think and what's the proper approach to critical race theory? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these kinds of issues are going to be very dominant. And so essentially, uh, let's, let's put it kind of into a couple of strands. One is... Um, uh, there is a um, there is a, a, a series of controversies surrounding the Southern Baptist Convention's handling of sex abuse in its own right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Russell Moore, who is the recent head of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, left. Um, and as some leaked letters explain, he left 
in large part because of controversies internally over the handling of sex abuse claims within the denomination. And he, he explained in his letters, and he claimed in his letters, that some of the biggest leaders in the denomination, most influential people, had, for example, called a sex abuse victim a whore, mm-hmm. called them crazy, mm-hmm. uh, a former general counsel had um, essentially called Rachel Ben Hollander of victim's rights at, at uh, activist who was proposing some uh, changes to increase vigilance in the Southern Baptist Convention over, and, and oversight within the Convention yeah. over sex abuse cases. They called it a, you know, a person who was under essentially satanic influence. Oh, and, wow. And so it was very brutal, sort of vicious infighting surrounding that issue. And then he also raised the issue of racial racial reconciliation, and that in connection with a lot of the controversies within the SBC over issues like critical race theory intersectionality, um, that more had come under attack from white nationalists, including white nationalists within the SBC, that um, including neo Confederates within mm-hmm. the SBC, and that there had been a real backlash efforts of racial reconciliation, and some of the backlash was being distilled and boiling down to arguments over critical race theory, because in 2019, the Southern Baptist Convention passed a resolution called Resolution 9 that essentially took a approach to critical race theory and intersectionality that would be called eat the meat, spit out the bones. Mm-hmm. In other words, there, there are some aspects of CRT that can be helpful analytically in understanding why the world is the way it is. Right. But to the extent that CRT becomes a totalizing ideology or conflicts in any way with Scripture, it should be rejected. And so it was sort of a, it, it has its uses, it has its limitations, yeah. Scripture is, Scripture rules. And there's a big push amongst thousands of churches within the SBC to repudiate CRT much more decisively. Mm. And, that, and that's creating a rift with the small number, percentage-wise, of black members of the SBC and black leaders of the SBC, who essentially are taking the position that, wait a minute, look, you've got a situation where you have people, white nationalists within the convention, going after Russell Moore, and you're telling us the real issue is we don't condemn critical race. Right, exactly. (laughs) Right, right. Wow. Yeah. So that's, you know, and then you have some sort of, uh, garden variety correction type issues regarding Michigan's uh, funds that I didn't really get into in that newsletter. Um, but yeah, so on the one hand, you kind of have this uh, academic debate about CRT, yeah. or this structural debate about how to deal with sex abuse, but the point I kept making in my piece was, it's one thing to have that debate, it's another thing entirely to have that debate when key leaders have obviously engaged in behavior that is deeply disturbing such that you can't really trust that the debate isn't tainted by that. That's right. And so it's a very tough, difficult time. And, you know, look, let, let's, you know, let's, let's inject a bit of hope here. There are a lot of, of Christians of very good will who are going to be descending into Nashville. They're going to be trying prayerfully in good faith to find a way to this morass. Right, right. Um, but at the same time, there's an awful lot of people who are just kind of ready for culture war. They're yeah. just ready for culture war, yeah. and it will be interesting. It's 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 going to be a real uh, week of reckoning. I That's think. right. Yeah, That's right. Like that it. voice is David French, uh, senior editor of the Dispatch. 
columnist at Time Magazine. Uh, you can read him at thedispatch.com. So, David, thanks for staying with us as we continue to think about what's going on in Nashville this week. Uh, I've been kind of I've been trying to follow it as best I can, and I've been um, just kind of fascinated by this new group called the Conservative Baptist Network and all that it kind of entails. It really mirrors what's going on, especially in our political world, kind of the polarization of stuff. Can you help people understand what is the Conservative Baptist Network? How did it get going and maybe what's it trying to accomplish? Yeah, so this is a coalition of several, I believe it's reaching several thousand churches now that is essentially convinced that the Baptist Church is in danger of being taken over by the quote-unquote woke. Now, if you talk to somebody who's progressive, they would find this an amusing concept. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) right. You're talking about two sets of Christians uh, that, Competing sort of uh, sets of Christians, both who believe in the authority and inspiration of Scripture, um, who broadly both agree with the Baptist, you know, um, that with Baptist theology and that, you know, Baptist statements of faith, and 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 so, and so I, I like the way uh, I believe as Sarah Pulley and Bailey described it in the Washington Post. Uh, in the Washington Post, is a fight between the right and the ultra right. <laughs> 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 This is not right versus left. This is not liberal versus conservative or conservative versus woke. Mm. But there are a lot of people who think that the Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention is not conservative enough. Mm. And um, wow. what's interesting to me is that I, it's hard to escape the, the conclusion that they're thinking as much politically as they are theologically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. they're very, very, very opposed to critical race theory. Um, and a lot of the opposition sounds in political and cultural terms as much, if not more, than biblical terms. Mm. And then there's also, you know, for example, the radio host uh, Todd Starnes was talking about trying to deal with the influence of the, quote, never Trumpers. Well, that shouldn't be a factor here. You right. know, somebody's position on Donald Trump is does not shouldn't mean much of anything. That's right. That's right. To, to compare to their position on you know how to handle sexual assault, sexual abuse cases. Yeah. <laughs> or what's the what's the you know biblical approach to critical race theory? Or, right. You know. So um, one gets the feeling that you're dealing with a movement that is yeah it's going to make theological arguments, but it also has very prominent political concerns and. So the SDC is in this really interesting bind because if it gives, if it does what the conservative Baptist network wants it to do, you may lose a lot of you may lose a lot of black churches, mm-hmm. uh, black pastors, if the SDC um, sort of stands firm on Resolution Nine uh, and and focuses instead on sort of independent accountability for sex abuse. Mm. And rejects the conservative Baptist network's candidates and platform and, and resolutions. You may see some of them, if, you know, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of churches leave. So wow. the SBC, which has got a real uh, issue with declining membership, has mm-hmm. lost three point three million members since two thousand and six, mm. and lost more than four hundred and thirty thousand last year alone. Mm. You know, I'm not predicting any sort of schism. I mean, that's that would be a very big step and a very dramatic step. Um, 
that let's put it this way: there, there's dangers that you you can easily imagine in a, a kind of hyper polarized environment, a sort of right. one thing that leads to another kind of escalation that results in substantial uh, yeah. substantial division. Yeah. Wow. David, th- this may be too broad of a question or even too subjective of a question, but, you know, you're obviously an outsider looking in. In your opinion, what is best case scenario coming out of this convention? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I think when you, when you have a Christians gathering together in a time of prayer and tension, it is not inevitable that bad things happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes the Holy Spirit moves, and sometimes you can have actual waves of repentance and revival and mm. restoration. And so, you know, I, I'm not somebody who says, okay, well, you know, things are tense, things are bad, people are coming prime for conflict, and so it, therefore it's inevitable that conflict results. Probably will. I mean, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're somebody who's saying, sort of looking at this entirely through um, the lens of all of this building conflict, is it enough? Is it probable that it could get pretty explosive? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it certain? No. And and so I think that there's there's an awful lot of people who are going there with the priority of uh, prayer. Yeah. They're going there with the priority of repentance, uh, priority of reconciliation. And so I don't think we should presume until it happens that sort of the partisan forces will take over. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, we've got to wait and see. There's an awful lot of people, you know, we, we've emphasized some of the, the bad apples, right? But yeah. There's an awful lot of extremely high-character individuals flocking into Nashville. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we under no, there are no circumstances under which we should sort of give up the ship, so to speak. That's right. That's right. And David, as we close this out, I'm so glad that you joined us. We really do appreciate it. Um Help people understand, this is kind of a way even from just the Southern Baptist, but just in general, politically, everything, when we just start labeling stuff all the time, like that's critical race theory, or that's woke, or that's, you know, Trump, or whatever else, can you help people, especially followers of Jesus, understand why that's so dangerous and why that is so corrosive? Yeah, boy, I tell you, that's a a great subject. Um, The bottom line is we're kind of moving into this environment where various intellectual trends or pop cultural trends or sort of Twitter disputes can dominate people's minds free of nuance. And so what ends up happening, often when you you get in and you start to dip your toe into the water or something that maybe you don't know a lot about, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean like how many critical how many people amongst us are critical race scholars? Right, really? Exactly. <laughs> So you don't know much about it. So what do you do? You go looking for people sort of on your side of the aisle are going to, you know, at the risk of being oversimplistic, kind of tell you what to think about it. That's right. And so when, in our hyper-polarized environment where people are stampeding to sort of find what their tribe and their, their side is doing, what ends up happening is we reach this world where from for example, is the word woke. Like, the word has been drained of meaning. It's just an insult now. So <laughs> it basically means if somebody is slightly, you know, if somebody is interested in racial reconciliation, woke, or if somebody is concerned with police brutality, no matter how concrete they make their claim and, and, and sounding in civil rights and the Bill of Rights, woke, 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, you know, on, on the other side, if somebody questions precepts of CRT, racist. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, and so we're, we're stampeding to these extremes because when we live at the extremes, we don't have to deal with a nuance. We know who we are or we know who they are, and that answers all the key questions. But the reality is a lot of this stuff is crazy complicated mm-hmm. when we're talking about mm-hmm. race in America. It is crazy complicated. And so to sort of walk into a, a conversation about race and say, look, everybody who isn't with me is woke, yeah. or everyone who isn't with me is racist, yeah. is re- absurd to the point of ridiculous. And instead, what we need to be walking in with is humility and saying, this is hard. It is difficult I can learn from lots of different kinds of folks, and here's what I want to be. I want to be a sponge. I want to learn. That's, I want good. To learn. That's good. That's a great word to end on there. Again, David French, uh, senior editor at The Dispatch. You can find him at thedispatch.com and also at his blog, The French Press. One of our favorite guests. David, thanks so much for joining us again today. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. I, I, I always enjoy being with you guys. Thank you so thanks, much. David. We'll do it again. And uh, that's a great way to end the show, Aubrey, as we send people off. We hope that you all have a great night. We're glad that you joined us today. Join us again tomorrow from 4 until 6. For Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.